0: U.S. Energy
1: Director. Thank you for joining the program here today. We're going to talk a little bit about innovation. We're going to talk a little bit about some indicators as well and we'll just start off by saying you know kind of some big news going on right now. Of course the rig counts are down. We're seeing a lot of layoffs happening and my thing that I've tried to look at is the energy industry is one of those kind of kings of the economy. And when something happens to the energy industry, there's a ripple that goes through. That's why we call it the rig count ripple. I'm looking at a story here that a steel plant in Houston, Texas, is going to be closing its doors. To me, that's another indicator. Now, a way around that, of course, is innovation type of a thing. That you know, Just because we're talking about these things doesn't mean it's bad news. No, it means that we got to think and rethink and reimagine and re-innovate and... All kinds of buzzwords. we got to put those buzzwords to action. So, Jason Marmon, how are you doing today? How was that for an intro, huh? Yeah,
0: that was fantastic. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm still out here. I'm in North Carolina for about another two weeks. We're just wrapping up some uh, video work, some website work, and uh, then we'll be off to Paris for a little bit. So, so we've got some exciting things going on.
1: So we were talking a little bit before we started the interview about how innovation is really kind of something that you and I both are keeping our eye on going into 2020 because like I mentioned, you know there's a lot of media focus on the uh, negative side of what's going on in the end in industry, which is layoffs and and rig counts down and all kinds of different things. But, but there's always some good news happening. There's always some good things to focus on. And innovation is one of those things, in my opinion, where you're going to see some preventative dollars being spent and you're going to see some research dollars being spent. The one thing, though, that is tough when it comes to innovation is, um, you know, the centralization and the controlling nature sometimes with new ideas, and sometimes you know people like to step in and redirect those dollars to the same people doing the same things, type of a thing. So, uh, talk to me about innovation where you see it—the uh, the pros and the cons as we're going into twenty twenty. Well, if we want to get into, uh,
0: I usually don't like to get into statistics too much, but you know when companies are tracking innovation, CEOs often prioritize you know these top four things: revenue growth due to new products and services. That's the number one uh, metric for you know whether or not you you know spend or, or you add to uh, an innovation budget. Customer satisfaction, you know how how are customers responding to what we're currently doing. Uh, number of ideas or concepts in the pipeline, you know do we have? Are we developing new technologies? Do we have new services, or is there you know ways that we can do things better? And then research and development on uh, spending as a percentage of sales. So. You know, if you got your profits, you got to figure out how to, you know, use that that uh, money to make more money. And usually, that's how CEOs make you know, determinations on innovation. But my challenge would be to, you know, say, for an example. Uh, North Dakota is known as the hardest working uh, state in the nation, and that you know, that's something that that we hang our hats on. But if you if you attach engagement and innovation onto that. You know, pre-existing condition. You know, I think North Dakota is, is set on really being a leader in terms of, you know, wh- where's the where's the true north of the industry. You know, how do we how do we stay resilient? How do we adapt to some of the things that are happening in the media? You know, what's happening in prices. You know, a uh, great example of you know the kind of the the changing of the guard is you know the largest. Uh, I think coal-fired power plants in the nation is it just, just in the process of getting decommissioned the Navajo Nation plant, you know, in the Four Corners region. And, you know, so that's a, that's a big indicator, like you were saying, that the industry has to kind of prepare for some of these things to where, as the, the focus was, you know, compliance and, you know, kind of business as usual, you know, like when, when times are good, you know, the tough people, they kind of get complacent. But when times, you know, start tightening up, you know, the tough, the tough get going, you know, and that's, I think, that's a, a testament where, where North Dakota could really, you know, shine in, in the, the face of adversity, because we got the resources, we have got the people, and uh, I think that it's, it's, it should be, it should be viewed as an opportunity.
1: It's interesting. The last three interviews I've had: Oklahoma, Texas, North Dakota. That's where the people were from, and all of them, we kind of kind of just talked a little bit about how the Bakken in its early days was a test market. And a lot of, they would would advertise that like crazy where the test market for the shale across the United States and, you know, we had Chinese companies doing fracking and French companies and German companies and then there was different chemical service companies from Canada coming in and all these different things. And that's kind of what I thought it meant, you know, and they were taking that Information and knowledge back to their home countries to try to figure it out but then i'm talking with joel brown from mineral tracker and he's also active with the Watford city economic development kind of a local um, leader in the Watford city area and He brought up something that i had been noticing for a while as well Which is a lot of the things that the bakken did with the private partner uh, uh, private industry and the public industry in the educational facilities, and just kind of a lot of the different partnerships they put together and the mechanisms of doing business between complex entities. It seemed that they were kind of being played out in the Permian in the past couple of years. Do you know what I'm talking about by that? Because you kind of said a lot of the same buzzwords that (laughs) led down this path where it seemed like the Bakken has kind of created a template for how to do some public-private business, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh,
0: I would I would attribute a lot of that for the the small circle of politicians and uh, the direct access from local politicians to state politicians. Like to where in the in the Permian, they need they kind of needed a template because it's on. You know, I mean, the the Permian Odessa Midland is, is kind of just like oh, that's where the industrial stuff goes on. Houston's where this the you know the sea level executives are, and so there was you know it was easy to get there, but not as quite as easy as, you know, Williston to Bismarck, you know, to where those people got family in in both places. Those people have vested interests and some people might have places, you know, houses in Bismarck and in Williston, you know, so there, I think they're, they were quick to act, you know, like they, they could uh, implement new strategies faster. And so, or new technologies faster. And uh, I think that, that has a you know big thing to do with it. But the Permian and the Bakken are, are
1: very similar in their challenges and their economies as well. Streamlined, I think, is the word they use back then, right? They streamlined things in the Bakken?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't have nearly as many bottlenecks and, and not nearly as much competition
1: as well. Right, not as many meetings and red tape to go through as a bigger state with Texas, like Texas is, yeah. Um yeah that's it's an interesting angle and I agree with it actually. Um the amount of access, the speed of access really does determine a lot, you know? It it can really um make or break things very easily when you're talking about energy. You know, the thing that just blows my mind. And by the way, we're not trying to give North Dakota this big pat on the back or anything. I think you summarized it best that it just kind of happened because of the culture and by just the sheer size. Geography and population-wise, right? Did I hear you right? That's what you're saying. Population yeah, and geography you know, I mean, really played a part. Although,
0: although it's uh, you know it's a testament to kind of the people, kind of the the work ethic, the, the stoicism. You know that's kind of represents North Dakota. It's also a challenge because there is this this wave of kind of industrial opposition coming, but there's not really a whole tight you know solution coming with it you know what I mean? Like to where if you're going to, you know, try to stop an industry from, you know, functioning or or doing what their, their traditional ways of business, you better come with some, some real tangible solutions to transition. These people reeducate, retrain, repurpose them. Otherwise, you know, there's, there's, it's going to be a conflict, you know, and it's going to be very big. I mean, it's getting bigger and bigger, you know, kind of as we talk. So my whole thing as an entrepreneur in the world of entrepreneurship you view problems as opportunities because the only way for somebody to catalyze change or or make a change in like say a community or a company is you either have to seize opportunities or you mitigate risk and those those are the driving forces of, of getting people to change and it's only two you know so uh, I'm, I'm more of let's see some opportunities here. Let's, let's, let's talk about, you know, what these challenges are, what the opposition is talking about, and let's give them solutions so we don't have to talk about shutting down the industry.
1: I know a lot of times people have a hard time just talking about things. They don't like talking about uh, problems. And I know they're entrepreneurs. They like talking about problems because it gives them an opportunity to figure out a solution.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fueled, I'm powered by, like, seeing concepts come to reality, you know, and problems get solutions. And so if we can if we can kind of improve the culture to kind of facilitate, empower, inspire, you know, those kinds of people, uh, I think the industry would really benefit, and they, they could make a huge impact. Like, let's give an example of engagement. Uh, 16%, this is a Gallup poll. Sixteen percent of act, actively disengaged employees that are 18 and older—they cost—they cost the economy 300 billion, and that's the, the poll. The poll said there's there is 16 percent of the workforce who is 18 and older that is actively disengaged. You know, so if we're looking at 100 million people, you know, that's 1.6 million people that they're just showing up. That's it, and and sometimes they're not even showing up. So. You know, when and then look at the flip side of that, engaged employees they outperform their disengaged counterparts by 20 to 30 percent. You know, and you think of that on a on a productivity scale, you think of that on a revenue scale. I mean, for some of these companies, that's that's huge dollars. We're talking tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in in the form in the form of, of revenue and profits that could be Redirected back into some some new program.
1: Jason Marmon with us. He's with uh, U.S. Energy, or as his logo says, "Use Energy." <laughs> Clever. I, <I'm> little,
0: <laughs> uh, our motto is "Work with us." You know, so uh, some of the things that, that we've been doing in the past, like we're coming to our sixth year of the Bull Fest. And last year we had David Nail, E6 headlining uh, entertainment.
1: Wait, are Uh, you talking about Energy Fest here? Yeah. Yeah, I was getting that was my next question. I wanted to ask you, what's going on with Energy Fest? Give us an update.
0: Yeah, so we're coming into our sixth year, and this is we're kind of we're kind of trying to figure out how we integrate innovation engagements. And we have been I mean we've been working on this for a while now because every year I mean me uh, my father and I got like typically another volunteer that's with us. We go business to business in, in Wilson, And even last year I did some Odessa Midland. and it's like, Hey, you know, we're with us energy. We're, uh, we, we organized, we host the Wilson energy Fest, and, you know, in Texas it was the Odessa energy Fest. And we asked them, it's like, Hey, what are you guys needs? Like you guys need workforce development, business development, you know, do you guys do, are you guys able to participate in community events? You guys is your thing youth empowerment STEM. You know we try to we try to figure out what companies are doing like proactively, and we try to integrate that into like kind of our mission, our plans, and, and some of our proactive uh, projects, I guess you could say. And with the, the Energy Fest, I mean we're identifying stakeholders that are they care about the community, they want to give opportunities for young people, and like with. As an artist, as a, you know, I think music is kind of the universal language, which is really easy to, uh, to relate with people. And w- with our events, we'd always have op- local opening acts. And so that gives them a platform to build their resumes while still adding value to the community, you know, that, that, that we're, we're serving in case, you know, Williston and Watford City. Uh, we've done in Greeley, Odessa, you know, so there is. Uh, We see some progress with it, but again, it it has been difficult to reach the operators and like the major service companies because it's not really one of their, they don't really measure their impact with community enhancement dollars like I think they should. Instead of, they view it as a donation. And it's like, whoa, 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 I'm coming with way more value than just a donation. Like, you guys are actually benefiting by what we're doing more than the money that you're giving us.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. I I was going to ask you about uh, something we were talking about earlier, about whether you you believe energy companies see a value in public relations yet in terms of tangible versus intangible. Because a lot of times, unless it's a tangible product, people don't see value. But the way that the public narrative – has been reshifted over the past uh, five years. I, I think more and more people are understanding the tangible value behind public relations now. Do, do you know what I mean by that?
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you, you hate to see it as a result of, you know, a threat as the industry being shut down because you know, that's, that's still reactionary. But I think we're in the in the phase now where it makes sense for these companies to have a budget and to proactively engage the community, because I mean statistics show it, it it helps their workforce, it improves their efficiency, it leads to new ideas, it's better for business development and sales. There's really no point in not having either a sponsorship budget, uh, business development budget, you know community enhancement budget, and the it it just seems like. The industry is slow to recognize this because I can give an example. My first year that I did uh, the the Wilson Energy Fest, one of my customers used his concert tickets and the events to actually build relationships with three customers that he previously never had, and he was one of the opening acts, you know, fortunately for him, and he, you know, that's three new customers over a year. I think it led to between 300000 to 500000 in, in additional revenue per year. That wouldn't have happened without this event. You know what I mean? It, it may have happened down the line, but he hit them all three with just, you know, just bringing them, just extending this offer of like, Hey, you know, I, I want you guys to come out and you know, we want to build a relationship. And you know, that's, that's a value added benefit of, of these community events.
1: Are you guys still looking for any sponsors? Talk to me about uh, yeah, energy. Yeah, sure. You know, g- g- give yourself a plug, man. Solicit the heck out of it.
0: Yeah, I would say you know. So we're coming to our sixth year of the energy fest, and we really, we really want to. Uh, we we know the needs is is in like engaging young people, workforce development. You know, so we're trying to center things around kind of that theme. So we want to. Maybe it's a talent show. You know, maybe it's a. Uh, you know, a scholarship or like a fellowship, apprenticeship type of role for, either you know, the high school or the college kids. But we're, we got some, some pretty cool plans that are coming up with some of our, you know, longstanding sponsors. I mean, since we're coming into year six, I I've probably got five or six that have been with me the entire way. You know, so we're, we're obviously looking to uh, engage with companies that, that do feel like taking that proactive community enhancement role, uh, is appropriate for them and they feel like they're ready for that. Uh, but there's also, you know, benefits like with some of the sponsors that we're working for, we designed them, uh, you know, job posters. And for for one of our companies yesterday, he's like, hey, we posted a job listing on Facebook with just regular text and we compared it with a month later with the poster that you, that you had, that U.S. Energy designed for us. And, we had 15 times more engagement. I mean, they had they had zero people respond to their their paragraph text on Facebook. 15 quality applications, and I think they had a couple other random ones that, that weren't really, you know, legit. But 15. That's that that's that's quite a that's quite a benefit for uh, their hiring and, and uh, recruiting efforts because. Finding good people, I mean, that's the key to success in the box.
1: When is uh, Energy Fest? Give us details.
0: So, uh, September 11th and 12th, we're still working on uh, Headliners. We're actually going to be coming out with a poll on whether people want rock or or country. Because we did them both last year. And if, you know, we had about split crowds, there's about a thousand people each night. So we're thinking of the, the Raymond Center. We, we'd like to. My goal is to sell this thing out because there's a public-private partnership that we're working on that's going to, let's say, expand the civic center that's planned for Williston. Which we can't. I can't give out too many details on that. It's still ongoing, but that's a very exciting thing that that uh, we're kind of involved with. There is kind of re- helping them put the put the centerpiece in that old airport development,
1: make it real nice and shiny any final but, thoughts as we kind of why why Ryan uh wind it down here boy i tell you what sometimes i can't even speak articulately when i have a, a long day in my in in, in my days but uh, how about you any uh, final thoughts here yeah uh I, I would just say you
0: know i think i think we should view what's going on, you know, even in the Permian, like as as things seem to be, you know, I, I, I think you you shared something that showed the production was kind of going down. And it's like not really focus on you know what the future has with oil and gas, but like what can we do now? You know, how do we get young people innovating? Like how do we get even even experience work work uh, force it's like you know, how do we get those change managers to really look at seizing opportunities and, and focus on engaging those uh, their, their employee base? I mean, it's, it, the money speaks for itself. So uh, engagement, innovation, I think that should be one of the, the focuses of, of the oil and gas industry. And, and kind of, you know, grabbing the bull by the horns in terms of the opposition. Be like, all right, well, if we, if we have things that we need to work on and improve, let's do it. And you can can delegate some of those challenges out to, you know, some of the young professionals, young engineers. I mean, the United States, we've been amazing problem solvers. I mean, look at the World Wars. I mean, look at uh, our our innovation, even the shale revolution itself. I mean, 10 years ago, uh, you know, the International Energy Agency, the IEA, you know, they're kind of the the chief authority on, on information. They would have never thought that. The United States would be uh, you know, the number one exporter of oil and gas products in the world. You know, we're not quite there yet, but we're moving we're moving that way. I mean we're only a couple of years away, I think, from that.